Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woo, it's Friday, July 30th, 2021, and you ain't got shit to do, so you know what that is. Time for Morning Combat. BC hosting, No J Friday, fired up the best damn sports talk show in the world today, period. American-made, globally renowned, it has to be the MK. My name is Brian Campbell, that BBC with the good Lord BDE coming at you. Uh, fired up to be here, of course, from CBS Sports Showtime, all that other good stuff. Uh, you know the guy next to me. He's hairy, he's ornery, but he might be the best in the world at what he does. The best fight breakdowner who's never had a fight before. His name is Luke Thomas. And Luke, come on, it's Friday, bro. Bellator 263 on the horizon. You got to get jazz for what I'm feeling right now, bro. I'm feeling pretty good about it. We even had the producers ahead of time on the show being like, you guys got us into uh, this Bellator fight. And uh, yeah, man, listen, there's a lot of times where, you know, I, I'm not all that interested in what any promoter necessarily has to offer us. But this is a good one for Bellator. This is a really, really good one. And because it is so close and so full of unknowns, BC, I'm on pins and needles. Woo! Better get yourself a seatbelt for today's show. We're going to get you fired up for all things Pitbull McKee, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, as you see there on the on the little decal in the corner, only on Showtime. So speaking of Showtime, what would stop you right now from getting a 30-day free trial? Nothing. Nothing at all, okay? Pound sand, irregardless of whether you like it. Go pound that shit, okay? But this is a great network, a great app on your phone, uh, documentaries, championship boxing, and Pitbull McKee. It's all you need in your life. So check out, take the plunge, right? Take the Nesty plunge and uh, try that out. I did want to shout out all of our great listeners, Luke, um, who have done so much for us on this road to 100K. I want to give a specific shout out today to all of our sisters on welfare. MK cares if don't nobody else care. So that's that's approved and, and confirmed right there. Uh, follow us on the social channels below. See, I figure it's more like Brenda's got a baby. We'll just trash can a motherfucker. Wow. 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 <laughs> that's, a Vin, that's a Vinny Paz bar. Sorry, wow. I had to. Uh, you can follow us below on this March to 100K. We are going to need you to specifically hit like on this video. Subscribe. Tell a friend. I I'm serious, guys. Th this is potentially an award-winning podcast. And at the very least... Uh, that other pod you listen to, it's not as dynamic, it's not as good, it's not as energetic, it's not as crafty, not as artsy as this one right here. And uh, we're going to need you folks if you want to see us win an award because we are nominated right now on two different sites. Uh, what was the most recent one, Luke? We we, we were a MMA you see best, it right there. best MMA programming nominee at the 13th Annual World MMA Awards. If you want to see the boys from MK show up. Right, be the outsiders show up in the cutoffs on the red carpet, and maybe lift up this great award. We need you right now to uh, go to worldmmaawards.com/nominees. We are our competition. Luke is the UFC embedded, the UFC Contender Series, the Joe Rogan Experience, and a defunct show that was once called DC and Helwani. So uh, Luke says, you know, humble brag, we got no chance of winning. You know what, Luke? Fuck your chances, bro, okay? And if you yeah, ain't down with MK, fuck you too, okay? Chino XL, die slow. You know what I'm saying, Luke, okay? Okay, bro? 
We're winning this I just shit. think you have to be realistic about your chances. But, you know, you guys uh, are big believers in our chances, so why not see what happens? Okay. Okay. There's a lot of people, Luke, that had they been realistic about their chances, they wouldn't be where they are today. Just wanted to point that out there. So uh, we don't care also if you really care. Also, a lot of people really they had better chances than they did and ended up failing spectacularly. As long as you go vote, okay? So I try, I, I pray, and I beg. Um, let's keep it going, though. we got a great show, as I mentioned today. Uh, check out our shoulder content, of course. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. We're giving it to you, MK, all day, nearly every day. Luke had a delayed live chat. Did that go live, Luke? Did it go? It's live. Yep, it's Okay, up. a tape delayed live chat. Of course, uh, Luke and I will be on the ones and twos along with our brethren, Sugar Rashad Evans, for today's Bellator MMA 263 live weigh-in ceremonial. We'll do pre, we'll do post. CBS Sports HQ. Luke, do you have a time when that starts today? What was that, 4 p.m.? 4 is my understanding. 4 p.m. in the East. So check that out. We handled, of course, the pre and post of the of the wild press conference lately. We'll have full analysis in just a few seconds. So check that out. Also, great interviews with Uriah Hall this week, with Corey Sanhagen, Freddie Roach going up against what? Luke, Freddie Roach about to hit 100K. I mean, this is a, this is a shocker. Heard round Listen, the world. So. I, I didn't see that coming, uh, but I'll take it. Anytime an interview like that blows up, so good stuff from the, uh, on that side of things. All right, great stuff to you on Corey Sandhagen. A lot of people are digging that. All right, Luke, uh, anything, any other final messages uh, ahead of the start of the show? Because you know when I get serious, it's tunnel vision. No, I'm ready to do this. Oh, merch. Hey, merch. Good, good call. Hey, Luke, you know what I did this morning for the first time in a while? I went to morningcombat.store. You know we got new merch in there? We got new. We got coffee mugs. We got tie-dyed artsy hats. We got MK camouflage. Luke, get all that shit at morningcombat.store. If you're an OG, you can also go to store.show.com for our 1.0 launch, which uh, fits very well. So please continue to outfit your flesh in us. If you can't wear our hands on your body, at least wear our clothing. Right, Luke? I think that's right, BC. That's All right. right. All right. Luke's already checked out, just like the end of Wednesday. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not great. checked out. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's start off the top. It's a big one. Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Bellator 263. And like I've been saying this week on CBS Sports HQ, let's remove any and all qualifiers. This really is the biggest, the most prestigious fight in Bellator MMA history. It is your featherweight champion, Patricio Pitbull Friere, against unbeaten AJ McKee, the finals of the 16-man featherweight tournament, the world title, the $1 million prize, all those other additives like pound-for-pound pound number one in Bellator, face of the franchise, all that shit's at stake. And Luke, our most recent update, of course, is yesterday's press conference from the Forum in Inglewood when things got a little hairy. Manich, if you can play that video in the background as we break this down, their talk got into family, Luke. As they began to threaten each other, McKee stood right up to Pitbull, brought up Pitbull's wife and son, and said, you know, I'll beat your ass in front of them. Pitbull said the same about McKee and his father. And then we nearly had an Aldo McGregor situation as A.J. McKee reached for the title belt. This was fun to watch. It's, it, we didn't get a face-off because of it afterwards. But what effect do you think, Luke, this has, if any, on how tomorrow night's fight plays out? I, it's interesting. I was going and watching uh, McKee's fights, at least from this tournament, to see, I don't know, just to see what you find. Like, what does the tape show you? you, know, you I, don't, I try not to go in there with too much of an idea about what it would mean, but just get something out of it. And I noticed that, like, especially in the compost fight, you know, that, that, that initial moment where he's kind of, I, even the first round and a half, he's a little bit wild, he's a little bit over the top in terms of, like, high-flying attacks and, you know, just constant pace and whatnot. I tend to think for a guy like McKee, yesterday might put him a little bit more in that groove early. Um, 
And that could be trouble for Patricio. I think, you know, obviously Patricio is a veteran. He's, he's seen a lot of different skill or uh, uh, opponents with different kinds of skills and body types in the whole nine yards in certain situations. But I think a guy like McKee is jazzed up. I think he believes in his pace. He believes in his game. And here he's got a little bit of extra motivation to kind of, I think, stick it to the guy early. I doubt that, like, he takes what was from yesterday and slow plays it. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't really seem like the way this is going to be handled. I think it's going to feed into the kind of thing he was probably already maybe leaning towards, but maybe, uh, you know, greases the skids a little bit here. Um, to make it happen a little bit quicker. So to me, when I think about yesterday, the question for Patricio is, does he want to follow suit? I think AJ is going to get to work early in this fight. I mean, off the break, he might get to work early. The question is for Patricio is, does he want to match that energy or does he want to like drag it out? Because BC, over the course of time, the longer McKee goes, the less potent he becomes. He's very, very difficult to handle in that first and second round. Not that he's some chump in the third, but it's not as difficult in the third as it is in the first. So the smart business is to kind of, you know, take your time with it. But he was agitated yesterday. And as I said before, you know, I don't know if that agitation means he's going to get pulled into McKee's kind of, you know, undertow game where you get pulled into something you didn't want to do. Or if it's going to be like what happened with Michael Chandler, which is, yes, it was a good shot. I don't know if he'd land it if they fought again, but... You know, he got taunted by Chandler ahead of that one, and he went in there and punched his lights out. So it can go either way. I just feel like McKee was already a strong starter. I think you're going to get even more of that on Saturday. Luke, let me put a little pin in this discussion. We have the audio and video. You saw a few still shots. Let's let's recap what we did see yesterday, Manich, if you can throw it onto the video. How about that? And I'm going to beat you in front of your father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can make a family affair ass whooping too. Your father like you said, gonna your be, brother's number gonna one do ranked. Nothing. I'll whoop him too. It don't matter. I'll beat up your whole team. Respect my son and my family. If you want to start it now, let's go. What? You started? What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh my, this is great. You started it. You, you. you and your father. No, bro. Your father thought. No, never mind. No. Fuck no. you, man. I killed one. Yeah. Don't talk about my son. No, I'm talking about. Don't talk about my father. You gonna say you gonna whoop my ass? You gonna whoop my ass in front of my father? I'll whoop your ass in front of your you know family too. And I'll be whatever, bro. Fuck you too. Yeah, fuck you too, bro. You already know this. Coming home with me, baby. Yeah. This my belt, motherfucker. Don't touch him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch him. Saturday, baby. Saturday, baby. Saturday it is. Luke, I love the OG Antonio McKee, the father and trainer, being like, I'll fuck up your whole team. I'm in on that. All right, so you you touched on it. It's like one thing is like, don't poke the bear. Michael Chandler did. He got sent to the deep, dark depths after he had a, an in- incredible one-punch knockout of Patriki. But I don't know, Luke. The more I break this fight down, the more I'm like, AJ McKee ain't Michael Chandler. He ain't these other guys. And what do I mean by that? Luke, there are... There are generational, once a decade or so, sort of phenom talents in all sports, right? Like a Tiger Woods, a Floyd Mayweather. And I I don't know if A.J. McKee is that, right? But I think at the very least you can say his launch into this business, it it looks a lot like that. It looks like a growing phenom at 26 who's 17-0, started under the Bellator banner, and oh, by the way, has been calling for a fight with Pitbull since literally his pro debut. Okay, so that's foreshadowing and envisioning and he's probably got storyboards up in his room okay good for him none of that matters of course if he goes out there and gets sent to hell by by somebody who's so dominant and strong and incredible as Pitbull but Luke what I have seen from McKee 
yesterday's press conference, the, the teleconference that I hosted last month where things did get hairy and then McKee was the guy who was sort of pushing that pace. Look, I see a guy who's not afraid at all. He, he's he's not only, you know, ready for the smoke and the spotlight, he's been, you know, saying it's been in the stars for a while. And you're going to need that next level poise without question to go in there against Pitbull. If I'm McKee, I don't care if this rattles the cage of Pitbull and that makes him more dangerous and strong. To your point, maybe that ends up playing into McKee's hands based on his style. But if you think about McKee's style here, Luke, his style, yes, he can be the aggressor. Yes, he can finish guys in short order like he did to Karkanian in eight seconds and then also the quick submission against uh, Caldwell in 71 seconds. But Luke, he is incredible at just flowing, switching stances, waiting for his opponent to make a mistake. And he could get an early start, or this could be a very slow opening round if Pitbull looks to to counter and wait for his moment. Either way, I'm just starting to get this feeling like McKee has the potential to have an answer for anything Pitbull throws his way. And the fact that he's got the 8-inch reach advantage and the 4-inch height advantage, that's going to be really interesting when you consider he may have a speed advantage. I don't know, you know, how their wrestling is going to match up because AJ hasn't had to show it a ton, but his dad Antonio is saying, look, our, our wrestling is just as good as anything else in our game. All I know is that you and I both know how great Pitbull is. We did an 80-minute incredible resume review that you can check out right now on the Morning Combat YouTube page. But I think McKee has extra gears that can only be forced to be used when a great fighter can meet him at an even level and pull it out of him. I think that's the scary thing for Pitbull in this fight, Luke, is that McKee has even more in there potentially. Now, that may still be in there, and he may fall victim to a counter right hand and get guillotined or whatever, and this fight could be over. But if anyone has this type of co combination of confidence and abilities to win a fight in various ways, that's why the odds are so close, and I don't think anyone is wrong thinking this fight may end up being the culmination of what A.J. McKee says has been a 21-year journey and vision in his mind. Luke, I believe in everything he's saying, and I'm really liking his chances on Saturday. What could potentially be that sobering thing that, that, that stops that in his way? I mean, you know, what, what can Pitbull do, given the, the reach and size deficiencies here, to make this just another destruction? Because we talked up Emmanuel Sanchez in the semifinals, and he got, you know, he got put out pretty easily. Right, exactly. We thought like after that first fight that he and Pitbull had that the second one would be something kind of close, and it wasn't. He ran right through him. Um, here's what makes AJ dangerous, and the problem is we don't have a lot of stats. You know, I love to go to the numbers on this. Not that the numbers always tell the full story or even sometimes even part of the story, but they, kind of, they on occasion are better to have than not. Um, but what AJ McKee brings is, I thought, I thought you were right on, it's spontaneity and risk-taking that has, to this point, basically always paid off. Like, you, we just showed that compost clip. I don't know if the producers in the back can make it work, but there was one where it's the triangle that he locks up against compost. So look at this. So compost is on his back. You see AJ try to throw a big punch, but he was too far away. He didn't really set it up very well. And so what happens is compost rolls, and so the whole thing misses, and then compost tries to come out the back door. But he didn't really fully finish the scramble. And so right in the middle of the scramble, you see AJ lock up a triangle choke and close the whole show. He had been going for several submissions up to that point, a little bit more conventionally set up. But here was one that wasn't conventionally set up, and it worked beautifully. That's the kind of thing he brings, man. If you don't cross your T's and dot your I's against AJ, especially early, you know, first three rounds, watch this. He misses the punch, rolls, 
and then locks up the triangle when Derek doesn't fully scramble out of the position. Dude, that's extremely good. Extremely good by A.J. McKee. So this is what I mean. Like This is why Pitbull is such a different test because he's usually better about these kinds of things on balance. So that's the threat of A.J. A.J. is going to be all over you like white on rice throwing things at you that he is a little bit better at just kind of surfing the wave of chaos, so to speak, than a lot of people have at his level of experience. That's that's tough to deal with. The counter to that is, one, energy expenditure. He seems to blow a lot of energy relatively early. Against a guy like Pitbull, that's a big mistake. We've seen him go into the fourth and fifth rounds. And, you know, for example, the first Sanchez fight. You know, it may have been 2-2 heading into the fifth, and Pitbull put it on him to leave no doubt about it. The other part is, if he's counterfighting and that reach disadvantage is significant, you know, Pitbull's got great slipping and then throwing over the top. It's how we got Chandler and and uh, as well as many other fighters. Here's what I mean. The thing that could trip AJ up, could being the operative word, is that a lot of times when he's trying to just kind of blitz and throw the book at you with his game, he's very good at it. He's very nimble. He gets over his skis a little bit. The guys he's fought have not made him pay, but you notice if he's jabbing, a lot of times he'll leave that back foot. Now, that's not altogether uncommon in MMA where the distance is further apart. People are trying to really maximize their usage. But you'll see him slip a lot in that cage on a lot of different attacks. You know, against a guy like Patricio who is poised and disciplined and accurate, that could be massively costly. You kind of take away your reach. You don't give yourself time to react. Um, and, of course, it, it wastes a lot of energy along the way. I think really the game for Patricio is – you want to let the inexperienced guy show you what he's got, weather the storm, and then begin to really put it on him. Easier said than done, BC. Much, much easier said than done. But a reasonable path, I think, for frankly either guy in that case. You know, I'm really looking forward. Look, the, the thing I'm looking forward to the most without question is how AJ potentially responds to Pitbull's power. I mean, he's got fight-changing, fight-ending power, and it doesn't matter how great you are, whether you think you're the Floyd Mayweather of MMA or not, he can turn your lights out. So I want to see that. But I think even deeper than that, Luke, I want to see if the first round ends up being more boring than we thought. We'll both wait for the other one to take the lead and potentially make a mistake. And, Luke, if that happens... I, I do have some fears for Pitbull that if this fight keeps going into the championship rounds, which, you know, my prediction is that it will. I think this fight's going to go the distance. I, you know, certainly either one can finish in multiple ways at any point. And that guillotine, let's give let's put some respect on that guillotine's name. When Pitbull puts his, you know, his boa constrictors around your neck, the fight's over. But I think if you're Pitbull, you can't play chess with this guy necessarily. You can't play long, slow-form chess because McKee's got the length. I think he's just got answers to everything. So, Luke, what do you think the best posture for Pitbull is? To try to be the counterpuncher? What, what about that risk of, of letting this, this be a, a fight from distance where that's going to be hard for him? You know, I don't want to see Pitbull suddenly down two, three rounds in a boring fight and then be like, oh, man, I got to make it all up right now. That's going to lead to a mistake. Yes, but I do think early, if you try and play speed chess with AJ... I just feel like he's better at that than Pitbull's going to be. First two rounds, especially. He's just not the kind of guy who can, you know, whip up a submission here and, you know, I'll take a risk here and jumping knee there. 
that's AJ McKee's bag. If you try to match him in that way, you're getting out of your game. You got to stay in your game. What is your game? Well, Pitbull can do a lot. He can actually scramble if he needs to. He can wrestle if he needs to. But he's got, as you mentioned, big, big fight changing power. He's got good counter striking, good slipping. Obviously, he's battle tested, that kind of a thing. So I think the first two rounds, you don't let AJ do whatever he wants, but you stay disciplined about what you're good about. And then as he begins to slow down and the creativity, gets a little bit less, and the frequency of attack, and that's really the big part of it, BC, the frequency of attack gets lessened. That's the key as well. So after that happens, then I think Pitbull has to switch. And then I think he has to start backing up McKee. But I think if you try to just back up McKee from the word go, it won't really work well. He'll just throw tons of offense at you. And I think about McKee that people sleep on, he's good at finding the back. He's got excellent submissions all the way around good darts chokes obviously you saw the triangle we saw the one percenter modification one against darian caldwell like the dude's got plenty of subs and if you start you know you get out of your game he'll find your back quick and then you're in just a world of trouble even though pitbull himself is a world-class black belt but i think if you're aj you also shouldn't get out of your game which is to say you want to start strong. You want to set the tone early, definitely. You want to get in Pitbull's head. You want to make him on the back foot, uh, not just mentally or physically, but mentally as well. The key is if I was him, you know, and, and this is just my opinion, worth nothing uncertain, uh, dialing it back just a little bit, just a little bit, because one, some of the attacks he throws early in this sort of spontaneity, a lot of them don't work. And they take up a lot of energy. I think if you not change what he's doing, BC, you don't want to change it. Edit it. Make it just, you got this much, make it just a little bit less. A little bit less. So it's still the same kind of core attack and, and tone setting without getting so much so that if you find yourself in that fourth and fifth round and you're dog tired, because let's be honest, Pitbull's got more than twice the level of experience that AJ does you're going to be in trouble. you got to save something in case the fight goes late. I know he said, BC, at the presser yesterday, it's not going to the championship rounds. And hey, both of these guys have fight-ending ability from the word go. No doubt about it. But you got to plan for the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is you're dog-tired and you're staring across the cage. you got five more minutes to go in a 25-minute fight and Patricio is going to look fresh as a daisy. I guarantee it. Dude, that's a horrible place to be. You don't no want to find yourself there. And Patricio can go five rounds, four days. Watch resume review. You'll see some great evidence of that. McKee has never been past three rounds, Luke, but he's constantly said, look, it's not going to be an issue. It's no thing to me. I can do it. Well, can you do it if, if, if you know, Pitbull's on top of you trying to submit you or if he's beating you down to the body with punches, which could be interesting. Luke, uh, who do you think is going to shoot first or if at all in this one? I mean, do you think For wrestling? For sure, AJ McKee. For sure, AJ McKee. And he'd be smart to, dude. This is the thing about Pitbull. Pitbull's not going to get, like, short of being forced into a mistake. It's unlikely that he's going to get his back taken for very long. It's unlikely he's going to take a shit ton of damage underneath. But he will take some damage, and you probably can take some kind of advantageous position um, and then at least get him worried about the takedown, which could open up the strikes. Uh, I know uh, Antonio McKee was saying, oh, you've never seen... Uh, really, 
AJ wrestle. Well, dude, he wrestled his ass off in the compost fight. It's why he found himself on top more often than not. That one sequence for the fight ending notwithstanding. We actually have seen he's very, very good. Super explosive. Great level change. Yeah, if I was AJ, I'd absolutely mix that in. That's a great way to win the round. If you can get the takedown early, BC, you don't have to spend a ton of energy to maintain it against a guy like Pitbull who's not going to be a, a huge guard threat. Yeah, no doubt about it. AJ is going to shoot in this fight. I believe it. Are we discounting the captain? Eric Albertacin, the great trainer who Luke has implemented wrestling strategies into so many of his great fighters' game plans. Is there any chance you could be surprised by a pit bull who comes out there looking to wrestle against this guy? I would be surprised by that. I think AJ has a very I think AJ is dangerous off of his back, man. You know, in a lot of different ways, whether it's the one percenter against Caldwell, the triangles, and also just he's got good uh underneath I don't know if we'll call it ground and pound, but he's got good defensive striking, so to speak, off of his back. Um, he's good about putting his feet in the hips and creating separation. He's got, he, uh, by the way, he uses actively his butterfly guard, if not for full-on sweeps, but to create separation. So then he can fire an underhook and stand. Like, I'd be very, very surprised, especially early. Maybe later, depending on how the fight goes. Like, let's say that AJ is completely dog-tired and maybe there's a case to be made. You can take him down and just beat the shit out of him. Okay, all right. If you get to that point, fine. But early on, dude, AJ's a threat from his back. I don't like that call at all. We'll see what happens, but I'd be surprised, honestly. You've already got the captain texting you this morning, correct, Luke? He did text me. Do we have the video of that? We don't have the video right now, uh, though, but uh, he did shout out Morning Combat right there. For yeah, a Eric, Eric, he WhatsApped me and was like, oh, well, I think he was talking about the resume review that he liked that we did. But Yeah, uh, Patricky with him. Patricky was like, yeah, baby. Okay, so Luke. He had, uh, the, he had the world's most garish glasses on. Well, that's, that's how he rolls. Uh, William Hill, our friends there, have the odds set at plus 105 for A.J. McKee, minus 125 for Pipple, as close as possible. I do wonder, Luke, about, like, you know, you Pipple's too professional and historically strong to get rattled, so we think. And we did talk about the be careful what you wish for, look what happened to Chandler. But McKee's been so consistent at sort of poking the bear that it does make you wonder. Speaking of the great savagery of Pipple, Manich has a video we can throw to uh, of a response to Snoop Dogg from Long Beach, as well as the McKees here, giving his prediction. Manish, can we throw to this brilliant piece of tape? What up, though? I want to give a shout-out to my nephew, A.J. McKee, fighting in Bellator 263. He's fighting Pitbull. Yeah, he's fighting Pitbull for his world championship in a million dollars. A.J., go to work, LBC. I see how you be putting hands on folks. Do your thing, man. Represent the city and represent everything you've been taught in the real way. This is Big Snoop Dogg, your uncle, coming at you live and direct LBC's finest. Knock his ass out. Hey, Snoop Dogg. I hope you know I love Pitbull the rapper and Pitbull the goat. Maybe you should fight someone in the cage. If you let a strike, it will be your first hit in 50 years, motherfucker. Look, that's a Hall of Fame response right there. Holy shit. I'm not Pitbull the rapper. I'm Pitbull the goat. Uh, Luke, there's typically so much drama in the LBC, but Pitbull's like, come to my favela, basically, and I'll show you what's up. Wow, Luke, the, the ball's on that man, right? Listen, this is what I mean. It's like, I'll say this for what AJ did. AJ kind of standing up to Pitbull yesterday, whatever you want to call it. I think that's good for AJ. 
in the sense that it gets him, you know, in the mood and like ready to go. And I, dude, I, I have no doubt in my mind AJ believes he can win. I am skeptical that it rattles Pitbull. I got to be honest with you. I'm skeptical that it gets him off his game. I think it gets AJ into his game. I don't think it takes Pitbull out of it. This dude is hard-nosed, man. He's been that way since I've been covering him. It's only gotten more so as his uh, accomplishments have, have gotten bigger and bigger. This dude don't suffer fools gladly, man. He usually makes people pay for shit like that. So um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. Luke, we talked about all the stakes. Do you agree that if McKee defeats Pitbull here in, in you know, convincing or, or, or clear, non-disputed fashion that he would take over number one pound for pound under the Bellator brand? If AJ wins. Yeah, McKee. Yeah, that's what I said, <sighs> McKee. Yeah. Sorry, I thought, you, I, I thought you may have said Pitbull. Um, again, I don't get into these pound for pound debates, but I got to tell you, BC, like if you go on the run he's been on and it culminates with beating Pitbull, and let's say it's like dominant, how, however likely or unlikely that is, it's dominant. I don't know who you'd put above him, you know? Yeah. I don't know, because Ryan Bader still has the belt, and he's done some interesting stuff, and there are some other, you know, Nemkov, is, any of the weight class Musashi. champions have done good stuff. Musashi's there. Musashi. Musashi's there. But, dude, that run, I mean, yeah, I guess you would. I guess you would, honestly. I guess you really would. All right, if either fighter wins without controversy, will they legitimately have a chance to win 2021's MMA fighter of the year against guys like Usman. And I mean, they're, you know, Brandon Moreno. There's a lot. There's actually a, a strong pool of contenders as we sit here at the, you know, second half entering mark of, uh, of the calendar year. Considering they would, I mean, answer the question, Luke. Are they in the running legitimately? I, I, I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know what to say about it if Pitbull does. I, I think we might. I think we might. But, um, if AJ does, I don't know how you take that away from him. You know, to go on the run that he's been on against the opponents he's faced. And if he does what he's been doing against Pitbull, like, you know, finishes him off in spectacular fashion, how do you deny that kid at that point? It's not that I don't think that Pitbull beating AJ is not significant and interesting and big, but like part of the story here is that Pitbull is battle tested, he is proven against all different kinds of scenarios there is still something of a question about AJ McKee as, as as brilliant as he has been we still don't know how do you go up against the likes of that guy that fucking Brazilian Terminator so to me it's a, it's almost a bigger win if AJ wins it versus if Pitbull at the same time dude Pitbull's record of dominance should he get through AJ McKee you know I've said this before dude I, I wonder if you agree I, I, I suspect you probably do I think if Pitbull goes in here and gives a guy like AJ the business, however, again, however likely or unlikely, that's a positive scenario where that happens. Coker needs to really take seriously the idea that this guy deserves a shot at 135. And I don't know if they can make the 135 title fight happen in this calendar year, but I guess I would say to me, AJ winning, it's a lock. He's fighter of the year, at least in that contention. If Pitbull wins, I think it sets up a fight that could put him in the pantheon of all-time greatness or you know yearly awards, perhaps, a little more modest uh, an award. But I don't know, maybe you disagree, I don't know if Pitbull beating McKee necessarily puts him in that same space. Uh, I mean, look, there's the, this tournament offers the champion no favors, as we talked about. Emmanuel Sanchez was riding high and hard when they fought in April, Luke, and he finished him in the first round rather easily, but... 
this would only be two fights, like you said, if you can get a third, and if that third could be cut into 135 and beating Sergio Pettis to become a three-division champion, yeah, all bets are freaking off. You can make Pitbull your fighter of the year and put him in the uh, in the all-time great human Hall of Fame at that point. It would be incredible. But Luke, the, whole, the last thing that was potentially at stake, which is the transfer of power of greatest Bellator fighter ever, should McKee win, which I think some people either don't care about or are like, Hold up, the guy has only been fighting for six years, but let me just put this out there, okay? We know Pitbull is the face of the franchise in Bellator. He he currently owns Bellator records for wins with 20, fights appearances with 24, and finishes with 13. Should AJ McKee beat him, Luke, and should he finish him, he would tie him overall for most finishes in Bellator history, extend hmm. his record of consecutive wins in Bellator history, and move within two fights of most wins overall in Bellator history. So I don't think that's wrong should AJ win and win decisively for whatever it's worth, whether people care about that or not, to say he's also the best fighter in Bellator history. So just a, it's just it's just a gratuitous amount of things at stake. But put that to the side, Luke. People want to know who you're backing Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Who wins? Pitbull McKee. In all honesty, gun to the head scenario, I really believe that it is a, a coin flip. But forced to make a pick in the spirit of the in the spirit of the question, I'm going to lean towards Pitbull. I'm going to lean towards Pitbull, and I say that with, you know, candidly, BC. I'm just being completely honest with the audience. Like a lot of trepidation. You know, I don't want to lose sight of just how. I mean, this is not. I want to be clear about this. This is not a tournament where these two guys met in the finals and like. You know, one kind of eked their way in there, and the other one blew through the doors to get there. Both of them have looked <laughs> fucking awesome on the way to get here. Like, they haven't had hardly a scratch put on them by anybody. It's been relatively fucking easy, frankly, for both. Or, at least, or I should say they made it look easy. How about that? They made it look incredibly easy to get here. So, like... You're not banking on like, oh, whose star is rising and blah, blah, blah. Yes, McKee is obviously on the come up and he's younger and he's got some other physical advantages that you pointed to. And I want to be clear. You want to pick McKee, BC, and I know you do. Hey, man, I don't really know what I can say to argue with that. I, I, I think there's a very good case for the guy. I just feel like for me, a guy like Pitbull in the form that he's in with the experience that he's in, he should probably have enough to deal with the storm that is A.J. McKee, and then that experience difference a little bit later should play out. But but honestly, dude, this one is a head-scratcher, and I can't wait. Yeah, I respect that pick. Obviously, look at the odds. Look at the matchup. Also, look at place to your character. You're a show-me-the-receipts. Show-me-the-science. I'll believe in the That's great fair. Lord when and if I meet him at the end. Then I'll, then I'll tell you he's real, Luke. I... You know, I've, I believe in things I haven't seen. I haven't seen A.J. McKee win a fight at this level, but I do believe it's under there. I think it goes the distance, and I think A.J. McKee ultimately neutralizes everything Pitbull tries to do. I think he stays out of Harry's situations, and I think, Luke, he wins a technical fight. It may not think that's possible given the, the fight-ending ability and certainly the savagery of Pitbull, but I think for the first time, maybe since certain pockets of those Daniel Strauss fights, we see a Pitbull who doesn't have answers, Luke for some of these equations, and that's going to be very interesting to mm. see. Either way, love the fight, Luke. Uh, AJ's going to make you a believer, and hopefully by the end of our relationship, I'll make you a believer as well on, on deeper subjects. No, no, I, I believe, I believe. listen, I'll say this. If AJ doesn't win a title on Saturday, he'll win a title soon. Well, that's He's why, you not- know, AJ said he wants the lightweight belt next 
against Pitbull after he wins. Uh, Pitbull said at the press conference yesterday that, you know, my brother's the number one contender, so we're going to have to have a talk with Scott. I don't know if that means giving up the belt so Patricio can fight for it and then have Patricio go down to 35 or Luke, whether that means brother versus brother. And I know you're, you, Josh Thompson, Juan Archuleta, they don't want to talk about that topic. Only BC seems to care about that. It's a little weird that you want brothers to fight each other so aggressively rather than like being like, hey, if it happens, I understand. You're like, hey, I want to see families torn apart. I don't like it when families are together. It's a little unnerving to be candid with you, but I understand the appeal. <laughs> All right, Luke, the rest of the Bellator 263 card, which doesn't suck despite the fallout of Magomed Magomedov, is very good. Look, this co-main event, people may sleep on, but it is in the same division. Featherweight Emmanuel Sanchez fresh off that loss to Patricio Pitbull in the semifinal round in which Luke, he came in there red hot on a win streak. He's facing a guy who is peaking right now in the Danish submission expert, Mods Burnell, who has won six of seven, I believe, Luke, and is just really putting things together. Is he of the level of an Emmanuel Sanchez? And is he the perfect kind of kryptonite to counteract Sanchez's aggressive style here, Luke? I actually feel like this co-main event might even be just as good of a pure fight, a pure fight as the main event. Emmanuel Sanchez... You know, sad, man. He didn't get a chance to show it against Pitbull. But if you watch the Daniel Weichel fight, which I think was just before that one, dude, there's no denying Emmanuel Sanchez is a lot better than he used to be. And what was the knock always on Emmanuel Sanchez? Well, the good side was always that he had... He's... Uh, I don't want to say he's Bellator's Marab Davalashvili because that's not quite right. But I'll say this. You'll never, ever worry about Emmanuel Sanchez's gas tank. Ever. I don't care how beaten up he is. I don't care how many body shots he's taken. I don't care how much wrestling he's done. He has an indefatigable motor. Totally. Beyond that, though, what's new about him, you know, the Patricio fight notwithstanding here, poor guy, is that he didn't quite have a lot of finishing instinct or skills. He was good at winning rounds. He was good at staying on top of guys, you know, backing them up if he needed to. But he didn't quite have the mechanisms to bring the fight to a close before the bell itself. He still struggles with that a little bit, but he's gotten way better at that, too. He's got better aggression, I think, better uh, sense about when to go for submissions, better sense about when to turn up the striking a little bit. Duke Rufus, I think, has done a phenomenal job with Emmanuel Sanchez. But Mads Burnell, dude, I'm telling you, it's like the Spider-Man meme with two guys pointing at each other. If these guys want to grapple, Mads Burnell is not, you know, obviously identical but he has a fantastic motor himself. He's got great distance striking himself. And on the ground, he can scramble, find the back. I mean, I really feel like what you're going to see with these two is probably at some point they're going to lock up and tangle on the ground, and it's going to be phenomenal. Very, very, very closely contested. I'd say Mads Burnell, BC, probably slightly better as a finisher or at least you know, setting up those kinds of uh, on the precipice moments during the course of a round. Um, but Emmanuel Sanchez, not to be fucked with. I think he's a slight favorite here. I think he's got a little bit more experience, frankly, I'd argue, against top guys. Uh, but that that's a great, great fight. William Hill has it, Luke. Plus 105, Emmanuel Sanchez, the underdog. Minus Ooh. 125, Mads Burnell. And if you need a little refresher on Burnell, as I did myself, look, he's won six in a row, five by stoppage. And the entire winning streak has come after a run in the UFC in 2017 and 2018, in which he went one and two, got submitted by Arnold Allen and left the promotion in 2018. But look, he's been red hot since. He's a former Cage Warriors featherweight champ, which is you, which you have always said is the best, uh, what, feeder organization to prepare you for high-level MMA, 
and he has seven victories via first round submission. So he's coming here ready to tangle, ready to grapple. Uh, can he go deep with Sanchez if needed? We'll find out here, Luke. This should be a very good one. Continuing down this card, Luke, what, what has you popping? Is it the cousin of Habib Nurmagomedov, Usman, in his second Bellator fight following a win over Matt, Mike Hamill, excuse me, taking on Manny Moro? Is that, are you fired up for this? Um, I'm curious to see Nurmagomedov probably beat him up real bad. Um, I don't think this is all that competitive, frankly. Again, we lost the the one I really wanted was the one that I'm told is rescheduled for August 13th. Is uh, Magomed Magomedov taking on Ralphie on Stotts? That was the one that I was like, that was the hardcore fans' delight on that card. It's gone because of some issues, but it'll be back soon. Short of that, I'm actually a little bit more interested in the Brent Primus Islam Mamadov fight. Mamadov is the genuine article in the sense of uh, battle tested twenty fights, only one loss. He's not quite as like ironclad lock as you know when you look. Oh, you see Makachev versus Tiago Moises. You're like, okay, Makachev should easily win this. Mamadov should win this. He is the favorite according to William Hill at minus two. Uh, excuse me, minus two ten. Brent Primus at plus one seventy five. But Primus is good, dude. And it, Mamadov is it, he's good too. But I don't want to be like, oh, here's another nineteen and one guy. From Russia, he must be one of these other unstoppable dudes. He's very, very talented, but he's not quite at that level. He's got a, he's got some weaknesses. He can be touched up on the feet. Brent Primus is, I think, a little bit being overlooked here. He's a little bit more wrestling ground and pound. You can see going for the choke kind of a guy. I don't know how that will match up with Mamadov exactly, but I, I I believe in his athletic skill. I believe in his aggression, and he's got experience against good fighters too. So that's the one I'm kind of paying a little bit more attention to. Yeah, Primus is 36, of course, a former champion, but he did win that uh, at Bellator NYC after Chandler hurt his leg. I mean, the you know, it's a TKO. We know how it happened, but it was, you know, a little fluky, and Chandler came back and won that decision uh, in the rematch unanimous. But this is a big chance for Primus to get back on the board in a big way. And Luke Mamadov, uh, he is from the Smash Factory, Luke, a training partner of Habib and Usman Nurmagomedov, and he's 18-0-1 in his last 19 fights. So... Uh, stepping up to a higher level here. We'll see what he's got. Uh, I'm also interested to see Usman, but you, as you mentioned, big favorite, minus 1,100, according to William Hill. So you wonder if that's a little bit of a showcase bout there, Luke. We will check it out. Can't wait. 10 p.m. Eastern, Saturday night, showtime. It's Bellator 263. Let's keep it rolling here, Luke. We've also got a UFC fight night card this Saturday from Las Vegas. And look, we're always honest. Bellator, MMA, or anything. Is the card good or does it suck? This card sucks, Luke. Can we say that out loud? Uh, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a first chance. This card blows, right? Yeah, it's not good. There, there are, like, look, any UFC card is going to have a couple of gems on it because it's UFC and they've got the most of the world's talent. But to your point, like, top to bottom, is it stacked? No, it ain't fucking stacked. All right. Well, we have a middleweight main event, Uriah Hall versus Sean Strickland. Hall entering the 36-year-old on a four-fight win streak, albeit Luke... Two wins which have come under some level of question considering he didn't throw a strike to beat Chris Weidman following the leg break. And then the Anderson Silva retirement bout was what it was. Luke, I was offered an interview with Uriah Hall. And you know, he's got a history, Luke, of not being the most dynamic interview. But Luke, you know, I interviewed TJ Dillashaw last week and the fans spoke. They said that's 2021's best chat. So I tried to equal that with Uriah Hall to very differing effects. Can we throw to the first video here, which you can check out on youtube.com slash morning combat, Manich. So I, I just started looking at media different because the media, you know, they always tell the truth, but they don't. It's like, we don't care it hurts, let's sell it. 
sell yeah, it. Yeah, we want clicks. It, it's part of the game. I yeah, get I it. And I totally game. get it. I understand it. And do you, boo-boo. But here's the thing. Do I have to be a part of it? No, no. I don't. I, I thought maybe you had some beef with Luke Thomas, my my cohort on this show. That guy gets a lot of beefs, all right? They they I'm sure up. he does. I've I've heard him say some stuff, but you know what? Again, I'm I'm not I, I'm no one to hate. Hate is a powerful thing. But all right. well, I'll say it for you. You know opinion. what? Fuck Luke Thomas. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. That. That's what you're right. Headline. Brian Campbell and Uriah Hall. Fuck Luke Thomas. Hey, uh, Uriah Hall. I did say that. <laughs> great, great chat. Uh, best of luck on Saturday. Even if you're nervous on the walkout, bro, just don't be you. Everything will be fine, all right? You're Luke, such a he was, uh... you're, you're an unbelievable loser that you got to throw me under the bus. And I've never said, I don't think I've said a bad word about Uriah Hall ever. Well, Full disclosure, when we started the interview, like when we turned the camera on, he looked at me over the Zoom screen. He goes, oh, I know you guys. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what do you know, good or bad? And he's like, I'll tell you at the end of the interview. So, Luke, I think he keeps receipts, which is fine. It motivates him. He's a very introspective, prideful man and a, a very deep man. And I think that came out in this interview, Luke. You didn't watch it, though, so that's fine. You know. Well, you know, I mean, you do. You're such trash. You're so you're such a trashy person that you have to do that. You should be ashamed of yourself. What are you call me Brian Bin Laden again? Is that where you're going with this, Luke? Yes, uh, uh, O'Brien Bin Laden. You're well, both Luke, Irish how many times, and you remember that guy, producer Jay. And by the way, producer Jay had a great botch on yesterday's uh, Bellator. Uh, I mean, could uh, he have been, could he have been worse? We should have just put a gorilla up there who could finger paint. We would have had better results. But Luke, remember when producer Jay used to come on this show and talk about the success he had training against Uriah Hall? Yes. I was keeping receipts this time. Manich, can we go to the videotape here? Do you see that at all? Am I, am I... I, he's wearing a hat. I can't tell, but uh... I was a sensei. I was a sensei in Tiger Showman's in Manhattan. He claims you were his sensei and you guys were sparring and you were showing him some things and he may or may not have done a spinning kick and knocked you off your feet. And I'm like, bro, stop lying, okay? Stop <laughs> that shit. I said, one day I'm going to get Uriah Hall on this show and I'm going to prove to the world that you lying. So Uriah Hall, can you put a, him in his place, Jay Aaron? You've never seen this gentleman in your life, right? Uh, I do remember being a sensei. I, I can't recall being knocked off my feet with a spinning kick. The only person I have, can remember did that was Raymond Daniels. Uh, yeah, that's not our producer, Raymond Daniels. No, not at all. <laughs> but I, I, I really don't remember. And if he did, kudos <laughs> to him. Hey, that's his moment, but okay? He's, he, he's probably he, getting chased with that story. Try to do it now. Bro, uh, I want you to know, fuck Jay, by the way, because obviously Jay's lying. I'm gonna get you back for that. I don't know how just yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you sent to hell by somebody, and you're gonna fucking hate it. And I'm going to love. Well, it may it. happen by accident before then, Luke. I will say I was hoping that uh, Uriah was gonna go. I've never seen. Uh, I've never heard of Jay before, but I'm a big fan of this Pennington James guy. That would have been great, Luke. That would have been great. Yes, that would have been great. Uh, all right, Luke. Uh, theatrics and 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 F Luke Thomas aside, uh, your expectations, thoughts, care level for this main event. Look, Sean Strickland's a guy we don't talk about much, Luke. But he is on a red-hot win streak, and uh, the great Aaron Bronstetter of Canadian fame told me he interviewed him the other day, and it was batshit crazy. This guy is uh, is ready for action. You, Who do you believe will be the victor on Saturday? Uh, you know what? I got to say, Sean Strickland's a good fighter, uh, a really good fighter. So since coming to the UFC, 
he has lost to Kamara Usman. Okay, fair enough. In 2015, so we're not talking six years ago, he lost to Ponzinibbio. And then he lost in 2018 to Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos, who can be inconsistent, but when he's on, he's a very, very good striker. But since then, dude, he's beaten Nordin Taleb, Jack Marshman. He beat Brendan Allen via TKO, which is a very impressive win. And he beat Christoph Jocko. Now, I don't know, and he's got a win over Tom Breeze. He's got a wins over uh, a lot of guys. I, I don't know that I've seen him beat someone the caliber of Uriah Hall when Uriah Hall is on. But he's on a great streak. Um, he's an impressive striker. He's a madman, right? He's a bit of a wild card. Like, there was the video that came out about a month or two ago, roughly, where he was seen kind of having a bit of a gym fight with uh, Orlando. I think his name is Orlando Sanchez, the sort of dominant plus 99 kilo grappler who um, who I think was sparring with him. You know, and Strickland is kind of going berserk on him and they had this moment they, they i think worked it out after the fact or whatever but dude he's he says like crazy stuff like he's kind of all in on this game of just biting down the mouthpiece and going but but dude's got skills too here's the thing for me though uriah hall training at fortis mma this is what to me the fight comes down to uriah hall i think if he's not <clears throat> disciplined could get sucked into this game that sean strickland wants to play of kind of being like a technical He's more than this, but he can sometimes be a technical brawler. And I think if Uriah Hall tries to play that game with him, it'll go Sean Strickland's way. However, Safe Saud out of Fortis MMA and all those things he's doing there, I think he's got Uriah kind of locked on to a different space. So if, if Uriah can play, I think, a little bit more of a distance game, BC, sticking and moving, making sure that uh, uh, Strickland has to mine the gap between them, so to speak, to borrow from the London tube, that's a that's a way he can win, but dude, Strickland's a force. He's an absolute force. The only thing that's a bit hard for him is he can he'll walk into strikes sometimes. Not that he doesn't know how to defend them, but he'll almost do it recklessly to sort of counteract an opponent. Um, it'll be interesting to see who can define the terms of the fight. BC, who can make the fight look a certain way? If it's looking chaotic and and Uriah's on the back foot, I tend to think that probably won't be great for him. But if there's a lot of distance between them and Uriah is carefully sort of managing the space with movement and whatnot and angles, that's definitely a fight he can win. Luke, you just said the, the letters BC like 17 times during that very good analysis on this fight. And, you know, there used to be people, viewers of our show that were so annoyed by that. There's a guy named John Bolton, calls himself JB on Instagram. He used to be so annoyed by you saying BC every other sentence that he got out these like old school like pitch counting clickers and he would send me pictures every show of the of the click and then as he was doing that he realized Luke that I was saying Luke at least five to seven times more and his latest clickings have it on like a five to one margin apparently people are very upset that I won't stop saying your name in this show but Luke the reason why I say Luke so much Luke is your if I don't You'll, I'll lose you. I'll lose you in the, in the middle. Of, you'll be in deep down in okay, email. Are we shoot. doing this today where today is BC's day to pretend that like you want to be mad at me so you can appeal to like five guys who DM you consistently? Is that is that what we're doing here today? Right, or are we doing a show? Right, Luke. Uh, William Hill has minus 210 as Sean Strickland as your favorite. Plus 175 Uriah Hall. And to your point about Hall switching things, his camp, his game plan. Luke, since he's done that, Let's look back at the last five years. We all remember Uriah Hall had that three-fight losing skid in which he lost the decision to Robert Whitaker and got stopped by Brunson and Gegard Mousasi in their rematch. Since then, though, Luke, 
He's won five of six. The only loss was that barn burner with Paul, to Paulo Costa where Hall had moments where at moments where I thought he was might be, have a chance to finish that fight. So, Luke, he's 36. He's turned it around. He is the underdog. What's his ceiling, Luke? You know, Hall's still telling me, you know, my goal is to get to that title bout. I want to fight Adesanya. I want to get that chance. Uh, is that going to be in the cards, Luke? I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I tend to think that that's... The, you know, the guys you have to beat along the way to get to Adesanya, like a Whitaker and a Cannoneer and Hermanson and those types, you know, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, Strickland's very, very tough, and he's right. You beat Uriah Hall, you get to that next tier where you start getting into that potential Hermanson territory. Um, so I, I would imagine that Hall would get the same kind of bump or something similar along the way. I think that, I said, I've said it before, I think when Uriah Hall is on, on, he's capable of beating just about anybody in that division I, I'll, I'll say this. I want to see not just that he beats Strickland, but that he beats him by maintaining a disciplined, consistent game plan over the course of a fight. Some adjustments here or there, which I leave to him and his coaches to make and whatever those may need to be. I guess what I'll say is I, I, I believe in his upside, BC, but I've seen it kind of... He's got to... I don't know. I don't know how to explain this exactly. I need to see something in this fight and maybe a subsequent one that shows he's leveled off past errors or leveled off past um, some of the things that have kind of held him back before. I think that he's shown a lot of the things externally through interviews and even some of the fights themselves that maybe he has passed it. Strickland is one of those tests where he could easily overwhelm somebody who's not mentally all there. He could easily overwhelm somebody physically who's not all the way there. Did you see Sean Strickland's uh, quote about training with Kamzat Chemaev? No. What he said was, if you show up to spar Chimaev, this was Sean Strickland talking, that if you don't match his energy, I mean punch for punch and absolutely bite down, he said that guy is going to fucking steamroll you in the gym. You cannot take a back foot at all against him. But what he said was, that guy is perfect as a training partner for me. Strickland talking about that. He was saying, like, I love having that guy in there because you know, man, the second you don't hit the gas, you're going to get smushed. So I think he's taken some of that attitude and he's going to bring it to this fight. I think if Uriah Hall can reasonably resist that with technical acumen, then we should give Uriah Hall another, uh, not another chance per se, but reevaluate what his potential upside could be. But you can't beat a guy like Strickland, as good as he is, you don't have much of a prayer against the guys who are really technical, like your Whitakers and, and so forth. So... Big, big test for him tomorrow night. Yeah, sober and fair way to look at it, Luke. I'm also Chemayev-like on the microphone, Luke. I will fucking roll over you if you don't bring it, all right? <laughs> all right, bro, okay? Hold this shit like a grudge. Uh, Luke, there's a former UFC champion in the preliminary main event without looking at the card. Who is it, Luke? Um, I don't know. I legitimately don't know. Uh, this fighter has a career record of 4-3, and three, Luke. Who is it? Is Nico Montano on the card? Yes, yes, yeah. she is in the preliminary main event against bantamweight uh, Wu Yanan. I'm probably butchering that, but shout out to the uh, the Chinese-born bantamweight there who's coming off a two-fight losing skid. Luke, I, I, you know, I just feel for Nico long term. You know, I just, I do, I just feel for her, Luke. You know what I mean? Like she upset her way to that tough tournament to to get the title shot, and she didn't necessarily have to go through a killer to win it, and. 
Then she got stripped kind of unceremoniously so that Valentina could slide in and fight JJ. What what is Dude, the end she game hasn't here? Fought, she hasn't fought in two years. I know. She's been hurt. She lost to Pena in that comeback fight after losing her title. Uh, Luke, I hate to say it. There have been some, like, in the UFC history, some champions that we don't talk about anymore. Dave Many, right? You know, guys like that. Dave uh, Manet. Dave Manet, Manet, I'm sorry. Dave Manet. Sorry. You take my casual card or you take my, my yeah, whatever, you know. Um, but, uh, how will we remember Nico Montano here, Luke? I guess we won't, well, right? Here's the thing. She's got the two fights, right? She's got one against Motiferi, who's a good but somewhat limited fighter, but she she won. And then she has the loss to Pena. Uh, and Pena's a very good fighter. Um, so I don't know what that says. You got a two-fight sample, dude. All of her other fights, she's got seven. F- her five other fights were in King of the Cage and other regional MMA. Like, you got a really small sample size. So from what we've seen on the Ultimate Fighter and then these two fights, yeah, um, she looks pretty good, pretty good. But two years removed, like, fuck if I know. Uh, You know, I'm not really, here's what I'll say. I'm not ready to just, you know, say, oh, we should just forget about her. I'm not really ready to do that. But yeah, man, like, if you're going to do something, clock's ticking. If you're going to come, right? Indeed. Uh, come on. Uh, Luke, that's it. I'm not asking you about Brian Barberina or Hani Yaya. I'm not doing it, okay? Let's roll on, all right? Like a deodorant right. stick. Here we go, Luke. Uh, topic number four. Uh, what the hell's going on with Canelo Alvarez, Luke? A lot of reporting these days coming out from the likes of ESPN's Mike Coppinger. And here's where we're at, Luke. Canelo Alvarez looked to be uh, close to signing the contract to head on over to a PBC on Fox pay-per-view Mexican Independence Day weekend in September against Caleb Plant for the undisputed super middleweight championship. We know Canelo's a free agent, Luke. That deal seemed to be at the finish line, and now it is a dead deal per Coppinger. Now, subsequently, uh, Dan Raphael, who's an independent journalist these days, Luke, has said uh, it's not dead. We'll see what happens. But we're seeing few, you know, follow-up reports saying Canelo Alvarez is frantically looking for an opponent to save that date. We even have light heavyweight Sergey Kovalev, Luke, coming out on Instagram and saying, I'll fight you in a rematch and I'll fight you for free. Doubt we'll see that. Luke, what has been difficult throughout the Coppinger reporting on this is really trying to figure out what happened. Here's the facts that we sort of think we know. Canelo was going to get a guarantee of $40 million, which is a lot, bro. Caleb Plant, the IBF champion, was going to get a guarantee of a career-high $10 million At the last minute, things fell apart. Some of the rumors or sources speculating here is that PBC wanted to fight Canelo to sign a multi-fight deal and he wouldn't do it. it. It's hard to know who to point the finger at, Luke. Another hiccup on the deal was that Canelo wanted the contract to stipulate that should Plant fall out of the fight... Canelo would still get the guaranteed $40 million against any replacement he seemed, you know, uh, adequate, but that it wouldn't be the same if Canelo pulled out. Now, look, A-side has its privileges. It always does in boxing history. I don't really know how you can necessarily put all the blame on Canelo here, and I don't really know who's to blame fully, Lou. You can speculate from the PBC point of view, if that's true, that they're upset that Canelo wouldn't sign another fight. It does make sense. You're essentially taking your unbeaten champion and plant, who Al Heyman and company have done a great job building up, right? They put him in pay-per-view co-main events or put him live on Fox in front of large audiences. If they give him to Canelo and he loses, then you've lost, you know, his L, his his O and, and the belt. If they don't do this fight, they can build toward Caleb Plant versus 
David Benavidez, which is a grudge match we all want to see. You know, Jermel Charlo moving up to fight the winner. Or sorry, Jermel Charlo uh, moving up to potentially fight the winner. If you're only getting a one-off for Canelo with a one night of pay-per-view, I get the need or the want to, to get more from that. Luke, as you look at the facts as we think we know them, do you put fault in any direction besides just saying, oh, that's boxing. Here we go. You had it, but you lost it. Fault is a strong word. Um, fault would be like, I can reasonably blame you for not doing what you were supposed to do, right? That's what blame means. Can you blame Canelo for exercising what appears to be maximum leverage? Because you listen to Caleb Plant. He was saying, like, hey, whatever you want. Like, if, if Canelo loses, he gets a rematch But if uh, in the clause, in the contract. But if, uh, uh, if Canelo wins, there's no rematch clause for Caleb. Caleb Plant was like, yeah, fine. You know, the money disparity, fine. He was just willing to concede to everything. But at some point, if you're Canelo and you don't want to sign a two or three or four fight deal with one entity, um, yes, it would be better for you and me and for boxing at some point if that were to happen, like to get the deal made so that they could go forward with it. But if you're Canelo, dude, you don't owe anybody anything. You know, you don't, okay, you could say that you owe the title defenses if you want to hold the belts or whatever. But, you know, short of that, what does he owe top rank? What does he owe PBC? What does he owe uh, DAZN? What does he owe any of these folks? He doesn't owe them shit. He is a guy who has services that are in high demand. If he wants to arrange those services in a way that are most complementary to his interests, I don't know how you talk somebody out of that short of saying, hey, you should do something that you perhaps don't want to do for someone else's benefit. And there are times when that's a really, really important thing to do. Uh, again, if he eventually just avoids plant to the point where um, he's not doing his mandatories and this, that, and the other, you can begin to say, hey, he is not fulfilling his end of the bargain. And, and we can say if he avoids plant, you know, avoiding an opportunity to unify this weight class is a giant mistake. Fine, we can say those things. But, like, what is the argument that for our benefit and for someone else's benefit, he should, again, presumably take on a contract whose terms he doesn't like because he's got other plans. That doesn't, I, I don't know, I don't know how you, I, what's the argument for that? I, I don't know what it would be. It's tough. So, the, you know, if, I'm, if I was going to take the PBC side of this from the facts that we think we know, I would say, well, hey, Canelo, when he got out of his DAZN and Golden Boy deal, signed with Eddie Hearn and signed a two-fight deal with DAZN, right? And Eddie Hearn. So why can't you do the same with PBC? But if I'm on Canelo's side, I'm like, Canelo didn't say, hey, Fox, let's do a dual pay-per-view, you know, with DAZN. He said, I'm a free agent and I'm coming to your network to fight your guy on your network's pay-per-view. You know what I mean? You get, you know, like that. Dude, also, like BC, BC, correct me if I'm wrong. The two fights were one, the Billy Joe Saunders fight, right? Was yes. the, uh, was, Yildirim. uh, the other one was the Callum Smith or was that the Avni Yildirim? Avni Yildirim, yes. So one of them was just a bullshit mandatory that he was doing to stay busy anyway. That's different than you got to fight Caleb Plant and then some other hammer along the way it's not the same scenario right he signed a one-off deal to fight Callum Smith then he did the two-fight deal which included Yildirim and Saunders I just say look when you're when you're it's so rare in this sport Luke that somebody is the pound for pound number one and biggest pay-per-view star right it's normally like true uh, it's sometimes true. that's close right if you're you know but sometimes you're pound for pound one number one you don't have that same commercial success Canelo owns this sport by the balls. He could do really bad things with that power. He's basically saying, I will come to your network. So I have to side with the, 
the A side here, if this is true from what we know, but I do would understand from my business point of view saying, okay, if we're going to give you a plant and his title and his unbeaten record, we'd love to have you come back on PBC and fight, you know, Jermall Charlo or David Benavides. Look, I'd love to see that just the same, but boxing is going to boxing. In terms of potential last minute gets, this is going to be hard, Luke, because Canelo wants to come back, what, the second, third week of September, September 15th, right around there. And uh, even if it was going to be plant, and even if it was on Fox, that's still a short turnaround, Luke, to prevent to potentially shoot all that shoulder content and get that fight, uh, you know, promoted during NFL coverage and all that. We know that Canelo wants to go to 175, so you hear Dimitri Bivol's name thrown around there. He fights on the zone. He's got one of those belts. Uh, what do you think it happens here? Well, I mean, the Kovalev "I'll fight for free" shit is not on the table. I'll put it that way. Um, The Bivol one was interesting because his people were like, we'll do it, but hey, are we going to do this? Like, we need to know now if we're doing this. There's no way to pull in Charlo this late. There's no way to pull in, maybe you could pull in Benavidez this late. I don't know. I don't know, dude. it's, It's bad that it fell apart like this because there was just enough time if everything went through the way it was supposed to to kind of make it all work in that timeline. But to switch at this moment, I would say... He's either going to fight Bivol or he's just not going to fight in September. Or maybe he'll take, I don't know, is there a bullshit mandatory he could maintain or something? I mean, maybe uh, there's there probably one of those is, but Luke, the, man, the, the sanctioning bodies have done a lot to make it so Canelo. I mean, the WBC created the idea of that stupid franchise champion just so Canelo wouldn't have to make meaningless mandatories and so they can produce a second belt, which is bullshit. Yeah, so, I, I would uh, say that the know. chances of him fighting in September have dwindled significantly. Hey, as Dan Rayfield said, it's not dead yet. Luke, maybe last minute, cooler heads will prevail. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Luke, our final main topic of this week is a tough one, man. Chris Weidman, who, of course, shattered his leg against Uriah Hall, uh, got into a rehab surgery, and we've seen a lot of the updated videos of him walking and eventually sparring. Uh, Luke, he's going to need surgery again. It didn't work the way it was reconstructed. Do you have more details on this and any analysis? I mean, it's sad. It's hard to see this, but uh, damn, what a rough turn of events. So I don't fully understand this. I, I, we brought this up because someone brought this to my attention. It's worthy of some significant, or I should say it's worthy of uh, additional investigation or at least uh, looking into it. I, and I've tried. I can't quite get all the details. But someone told me, well, first of all, here, here are the facts as we understand them. He has this terrible injury. And he gets the surgery. The surgery itself, we were told, was successful in the sense that um, to going back to that Ariel Hawani and Mike Coppinger debate, you know, what defines successful surgery. But in the moment that the surgery was completed, the surgeons did everything that they could at that moment. But of course, there is another a lag time, especially with ones like as catastrophic as this, where you don't know if it's going to take. And, you know, having lived through uh, what happened to our quarterback here in D.C., Alex Smith, and the all, oh, his initial surgery was a success. And then he got 17 more of them, right? So, like, what does it even mean to be successful if that's what you have it takes to get back to health? So his bones didn't fuse in the way that they were supposed to, and now he has to go and get additional surgery. But you saw about a month after surgery that he was doing some kind of training and even some kind of light, but sparring. And that seemed really inadvisable i mean i'm not a scientist i'm not i'm not a doctor but i don't i don't know of anybody who would reputably recommend doing that and some folks are saying to me and again i'm trying to i'm trying to find out the details on this so if anyone has any email us morningcombat at gmail.com that the folks he went to for not so much the surgery the surgery was pretty much above board but that for the additional rehab he elected to take on some folks who were like 
again, as it was described to me, snake oil salesmen, or at least, you know, folks who were, have alternative methods of treatment. And listen, there are plenty of scenarios where people are going to want second opinions. There are plenty of scenarios where folks are going to want, um, you know, doctors, you've been to doctors a million times for you and for your kids and for everyone else you love. Sometimes they can give you really harsh, you know, assessments of your health or your loved one's health in a way that seems almost off-putting and you might want to go and seek other remedies that you feel like could be more welcoming and just sort of fit better with what you how you want to live your life and I understand that but you got to go to people who are reputable you got to go to people who are uh who follow science in a much more direct thorough and concrete kind of way and I just see fighters generally a lot of times seeking out treatment from people who are not in a position to be handing out the treatment that the fighters are seeking from them. And so here you have a case where it's like, dude, who was the guy who recommended doing the physical activities a month after a a significant traumatic injury and the surgery subsequently to go and then spar? That seems fucking stupid, quite frankly, in terms of the kind of advice. So listen, here's what I hope for Weidman. I hope that this surgery is successful in the day that it is provided. I hope the subsequent rehab that goes with it is as speedy as can be. The last thing that any of us want to see is a Chris Weidman whose career is either ended or, you know, irrevocably changed in the worst kind of way from that fight against Uriah Hall. I think we can all say that out loud. At the same time, if you don't seek out the right people with the right credentials and the right scientific understanding about how to deal with these kinds of uh, moments in your athletic life, it might end up being that that's the last we see and remember of him from those circumstances. So um, it's troubling, troubling to say the least. Uh, Weidman suffered the injury in March. Uh, not too long after, Luke, he was doing some golf outings, the light sparring you mentioned, and he did speak with, on Wednesday with Sirius XM's MMA Today, and he said, I'm getting another surgery, most likely on August 11th. They're going to have to plate the fibula bone because I guess it's considered a non-union, so the bones aren't healing the way it's supposed to, which kind of sucks. But I did expect setbacks and some issues with this type of traumatic injury. I've been through a lot. At the end of the day, I'm a positive person to begin with, not that I don't have moments of negativity just laziness or lack of motivation, but I'm usually a glass half full type person, so I think that helps. Luke, he's 37. He's a great legend, let's be honest. Former champion, but he has lost six of eight dating back to 2015. I get the competitor in him wanting to almost mirror what Anderson Silva did, which is repair that leg, come back in almost record time, and kind of act like it never happened, Luke. You know, we all want that. But, uh, uh, you know, for the rest of his life, Luke... For that sake, I hope he makes the right choices moving forward. Luke, okay, all right. We'll see. He he's got a, you know, I've always been a rock hold guy, so I've I've sometimes talked trash about Weidman, but uh, when you when we last year at CBS Sports tried to like rank the best in each weight class in UFC history, it's hard not to make him the second greatest middleweight, Luke. When you look at the resumes and compare them all, it's pretty close. His, dude, I remember when he fought on a Wednesday night, Mark Munoz. When Mark Munoz was like a good, solid, you know, top 15-ish kind of guy in that division. And Weidman slashed him with the elbow standing in a way that Munoz never saw it coming. Yeah, Dude, he was such a force. When he was healthy and he was on the come up, Chris Weidman was an absolute beast. But I, I made this point too previously, BC. You know, here in D.C. we had a, uh, a guy who played for, at the time, the Skins, Jordan... Um, Jeez, now the, I've been talking about this guy forever. Now my 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 brain is Jordan not Reed? working properly. 
Um, he was the tight end for a long time. Yeah, isn't, he it, was, isn't his last name Reed? He's from New London, Yes, Jordan Reed. Sorry, yes. Jordan Reed. Played at University of Florida, if memory serves. Dude, when he was on, when he was on and he was healthy, he was a fucking animal. Maybe he wasn't as good as as Gronk, but at his best, he was top three tight ends in the league. He was athletic. He could cast, uh, catch passes. He could juke defenders. He was big. He was strong. But, dude, he was constantly injured, not just with concussions, and he had a shit ton of those. His Every time he got tackled, his shoulder got separated, his knee got injured. And at some point, there's just like some people I feel like, and there is some science to support this, they just can't tolerate injury the way other guys can. And I don't know if that's Chris Weidman's reality, but what I'll say is there you can't talk about the career of Chris Weidman without the devastating effect injuries have had not just on this moment but prior to this and maybe some of that's on him training with this that and the other I don't know I'm not here to place blame I don't know it all of these things are complicated but there is just no denying how much how good he was and how much injury has taken a lot of that away Absolutely, Luke. Uh, quick one-hitters on the way out here, Luke, in the news cycle. I want to get your reaction. Amanda Nunes has been pulled from UFC 266. That's next weekend, Luke. August 7th, she was expected to defend her title against Juliana Pena. That would be the Bantamweight title. She has COVID, Luke. Um, wow. Yeah. Your thoughts? Uh, terrible. I hope I hope that they're okay. I hope it's not a big deal. And... Um... I hope they can make that fight again pretty quickly. Some got some as we've seen it. Some fighters get COVID. The majority of them get COVID. No big deal. Been a couple like uh, Aldana where it can have some lingering effects. Uh, Cody Garbrandt lingering effects. But um, again, maybe that won't be the case for her. And so I wish her a speedy recovery. Uh, Nunes is fresh off of two defenses of her, of her featherweight title, but Luke has not defended the one three five belt since December of twenty nineteen in the rematch with GDR. Uh, that we're going to be coming up on two years, Luke. No interim titles for this. No, we're not going to do Misha Tate versus Pena next week. No, none of that. The problem is the problem is that uh, there's not. You can say that the title hasn't been defended recently, but with Shevchenko down a division and no other real contender kind of emerging in that time, it's like, okay, I agree, it should have been defended more, but like against who who was that person bc show me the person who was denied you're right i don't know who you're that right. is the, the division was dead as a doornail until just really a couple of weeks ago right aspen lads back kind of back misha tate's back so we'll see where that goes speaking of that division luke holly holm has accepted a new date october 16th against norma dumont your thoughts um yeah, curious. I don't have a strong thought. Curious to see what happens. Hopefully, she can win, and that maybe if uh, maybe she'll get a title shot after that, or maybe Tate can get another win, and then you could get, do that. I, I, that's the fight that I want to see. I want to see Tate versus Holm too. So whatever gets us closer to that, I'm all in. Well, this is what I was essentially going to ask you, Luke, because Holly Holm is 39 years old, yet still super elite. But Luke, you know the windows. You know, obviously closing to a large degree. And, you know, Dumont's a good fighter, 30 years old, two-fight win streak, just beat Felicia Spencer. Not trying to say anything there, but what do we gain from this? This division's pretty shallow. Wouldn't you rather see Holly Holm be gearing up for the rematch against either GDR or Misha Tate or... You never you know. know who has turned down who. Good you point. You never know. Good you point. never know who has been like, yeah, I don't want that fight right now. And they got to go somewhere else. So... Again, I don't know if exactly that's what happened, but every time you're like, hey, why are we doing this fight? That doesn't make any sense. Somewhere, someone along the way said no to an original plan, and then you ended up in this place. 
Breaking news this morning, Luke, from a site called uh, Nose Helwani Substack. The GOAT has retired. Artem Lobov is bringing an end to his combat sports career at the age of 34. Now, he's fresh off a bare-knuckle loss. He went 2-2 two and two overall in bare-knuckle fighting. His MMA career record, 13-15-1 with one no contest. Luke, he was, of course, well-known and beloved as a training partner and right-hand man to Conor McGregor. That got him, you could argue, main event fights he didn't deserve at times. He was slapped by Habib, which set up the dolly through the window. How will you remember the 34-year-old GOAT? I interviewed uh, Lobov a couple of times. I always found him to be very friendly. <laughs> um, like, I enjoyed talking to him. You know, he was... Uh, all these fighters, you know, you get them uh, around fight time. They're a little bit, you know, aggro. But I, I, I don't know. I Listen, Artem Lobov kind of got a... Uh, kind of. He got a big boost by being associated with McGregor. It lasted for a little while until it didn't. I thought his fight with Cub Swanson was he overperformed and did really well. And obviously he got the win over Paulie Malignaggi. Like, dude, for a guy of limited ability, relatively speaking, he did really well. He made it pretty far. He got some big purses. And again, relatively speaking, and he was in big main events. And um, yeah, good for him. So, you know, the world's best fighter? No, not necessarily that. But uh, someone who was beloved for a time... And, uh, you know, frankly, giving us the choo-choo motherfuckers was a great moment I won't forget anytime <laughs> soon. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best and whatever's next. And he probably will have another fight at somewhere along the way. But if this is the end, then, hey, man, for what he was able to do and given what he had, he, he did well. He did pretty he well. He was a, a great interview, seriously. Very fun, honest guy to talk to. He started his career four and six. So to turn it around and become somebody, Luke, is interesting. I mean, he went two and five in the UFC, but... You know, he made a name for himself in his BKFC uh, first fight with Jason Knight. He lost the rematch, but that first one, Luke, was a absolute war. And I think uh, Paulie got robbed, though. All right. Speaking of Paulie, Luke, Paulie's reportedly going to be back boxing again on the Celebrity Boxing Tour October second in Miami when he takes on Corey B, the TikToker and radio host, who of course attacked Paulie with a handful of talcum powder at a recent. Uh, BYB or whatever the hell they call it uh, event. But Luke, that's just the co-main. Your main event on October 2nd in Miami. This is Damon Feldman in Celebrity Boxing. Lamar Odom versus Riddick Bowe. And Luke, there's really no way to sugarcoat this but to say this is this is criminal. This is some bullshit right here. I mean, it's bad enough health-wise that Lamar Odom, for everything he's been in through physically, is in a you know is in a boxing setup. But good God, Riddick Bowe at fifty-three. Luke, this is this is all sincerity here. Riddick Bowe, Hall of Famer, former heavyweight champion. He's been washed with slurred speech since he was like legitimately twenty-eight years old. Luke, he's like fifty-three now. I don't know if you saw Riddick Bowe's Muay Thai fight from a few years ago. It was one of the saddest pieces of video anyone has ever seen when he put his body out there and got sent to hell just for whatever cash they could give him. I'm really hoping, Luke, and I don't cheer against any promotion to fail. I'm hoping that somebody steps up, somebody that cares about Bo, a commission member of the state of Florida. Somebody steps in here and stops this from happening. I, um, it, this fight should not happen, exhibition or otherwise. It should not happen. And I know what some might say. Oh, well, Bo is probably broken uh, physically, maybe, but he might be broke 
financially, which I'm sure there's some level of truth to that, if not outright truth. And that if it's an exhibition and it's Lamar Odom, what's the problem? I, I don't think folks understand. We are talking about a person who shouldn't even have someone lightly push them in the head anymore, much less even a grown man, six foot ten, six foot eleven, who, however wild and uh, lacking pure boxing skill he may be, I would not want someone with that kind of, frankly, like he's fragile at this point getting into any kind of physical altercation, exhibition or otherwise, it to me would be a tragic mistake. The state of Florida should not sanction this in any capacity whatsoever. Um, and frankly, the promoter should be ashamed of himself. Uh, you should, Lamar Odom, if you want to book him in a fight, fine. Exhibition, whatever. It can be silly. It can be fun. Yeah, okay. Riddick yeah. Bowe does not need to be in any place in a boxing ring with gloves on in 2021, period. Period. End of story. Uh, Damon Feldman, the promoter there, Luke, is actually the brother of uh, the promoter of BKFC, who, as we talked about on Wednesday, was, you know, you got Chuck Liddell out there saying, if they gave me enough money, I'd fight for them. Please, both Feldmans, stop it. Okay, please stop it. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, we had teased it off the top. We do encourage our people to vote for us for the World MMA Awards. Uh, do I have a promo to read? Nothing? Manich, we good? Anything? Oh, yeah, there it is, uh, worldmmaawards.com. Hey, look, we used to peddle people to vote for us for some other award, too. We don't care about that anymore, or what? Uh, I don't know. Do we? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Also, Luke, uh, you and I, oh, there we go, podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Morning Combat been voted in three different categories, including best sports podcast and best male hosted podcast. We have been nominated for awards. We appreciate the folks at Podcast Awards and also the World MMA Awards. Whatever, there it is. Thank you so much for your service. Luke, also, here's the deal. Um, they want us to promote bonus mailbag episodes that will be coming our way in the near future. Why? Because it is summertime, and you and I do have some scheduled vacation days off in the month of August, so some uh, you'll get some bonus opportunities out there, fans, to get your questions answered in some pre-taped episodes. Luke, how should they send in those questions again? Morning. Oh, well, well actually, you know what? Do they want us to scam the system again? I don't know. Mikey, what the hell are we doing here? What, what is this? Are no? we scamming? I, I guess they want us to go leave Apple podcast reviews where we scam the system by people leaving nice reviews. But what they do is they actually leave questions for the podcast. So keep scamming Apple, please. Yeah, we will get to your question. We'll give you some fun. But look, here's the deal. Holidays, we give you an episode, right? Even on times that we're off, we give you an episode, okay? That's what we do. We're the best in the game. All right. Uh, sometimes, Luke, we don't do the right things, though. And that's why every Friday we have a segment Dedicated to that. In fact, morningcombat at gmail.com is your email address to send in the things that we got wrong after speaking into a microphone for many hours per week. It's called Dead Wrong. Dead fucking wrong. All right. If you're going to come, you better come on. You better come original. Here we go. We start off. This is from Talal, Max, and Nima. Wow. Three offenders here. They say during the Wheel of Death segment on Wednesday... July 21st, BC mentions that Conor McGregor and Jeremy Stevens have a history dating back to their UFC 196 press conference, but the Im the infamous who the fuck is that guy moment was actually during the UFC 205 press conference. An honest mistake by BC, but a mistake nonetheless. Love the show, guys, and I hope I get the chance to do a live show in the future. Much love from Saudi Arabia. Wow. All right. I'll take that out. Was out. it the 205 presser? I don't know if that... Is that true? I don't think that's true, but they say it is, Luke. 
I thought maybe it was, it was the, the RDA. One, maybe, it wasn't 205 fight week. They may have been the one talking about like a month or two ahead setting up 205. Yeah, what did, what did UFC used to call those press conferences they do where they get people that are going to be on fight cards for like the next few months and they all bring them in together? Yeah, I don't. I forget what they they stopped doing it since COVID. But um, yeah, I'm not sure this is the right one, but maybe it is. All right, I thought it was the one where he went face to face with RDA and ripped him. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was the original Eddie one. I'll take the L. I'll research this and get back to you. If not, you got you got some come up and you got a receipt coming, uh, Saudi Arabia. Okay. All right, Luke. Let's keep it going. Michael and Adam both sliding in at, at about an hour into the latest live chat of Luke Thomas episode 82. He erroneously stated that Brock Lesnar made his MMA debut against Min Soo Kim at the Dynamite show at the Rose Bowl when it was in fact held at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. I was actually there Uh with your boy R.J. Clifford. I remember this event vividly because this is where USC football star Johnny Morton got knocked unconscious by by Bernard Aka. On the field, he dominated a fighter test positive for meth, and there was also a media tent with full-on booze buffet. Wow, wow. <laughs> also, Sakuraba got robbed by the judges against a juiced-up Hoist Gracie. Amazing night of fights and the most fun I've ever had in at an event. But, Luke, you are dead wrong. Okay, fair enough. That's a good correction. Johnny Morton also popped for steroids in that fight, Luke, and he no, got n- Not just steroids, multiple steroids. Yeah. Uh, a Jean Pascal cocktail of uh, yes, of yes. horse piss. Yes. All right. Uh, Brad slides in and says, hey, the dead wrong here happened Friday, July 23rd at 48 minutes and 25 seconds. Luke asks if Terrence Crawford is 35 and BC replies that he is 34. However, Crawford is 33. He was born on mm. September 28th, 1987. Great show. And us boxing fans love the boxing talk. Hey, how about that, Luke? All right, Brad, I'll take that out. All right, good. Thank you. Thank you, Brad, for uh, watching. All right, here we go. This is from Eric A. Hi, BC and Teen Wolf's dad. At 136.25 of episode 185 this past Wednesday, Brian incorrectly says that Antonina Shevchenko is in the UFC strawweight division, despite also saying that she's in the same division as Valentina, the 125-pound chap. Perhaps Brian was more interested in the Shevchenko's other assets like their coach. Oh, I don't know if that's fair, right? I mean, the former is fair, but the latter? Are you, you calling out Pavel right there? Come on. He says, I used to jump around between various MMA shows and channels, but this is the one that is most consistently entertaining and leveled. MK. Eric A. Eric A. also adds, hey, Luke, can you please unblock me on Twitter? I was sarcastically making fun of John Jones, and I guess it wasn't clear under Luke's shoey tweet. I said something like, I can't believe you'd do something so horrible. Thank God I'm a John Jones fan. I'm double vaxxed, and I work out without gloves. At Ice Cold Takes MMA. Luke, it's Friday. Will you do this bastard a solid? I, I really feel like we should do Twitter court where they have to argue their case more vociferously. Yeah. What is it? Ice Cold Takes? Ice Cold Takes MMA. His name is Eric A. High school takes MMA, you say, right? Yep, he, he's double-vaxxed, he works out without gloves, and he claimed he wasn't making fun of you. He was making fun of John Jones, and you just, All right. you know. He is, uh, he's unblocked. All right, Luke, let's, let's deal with what he's saying here, though. I'll take the L. Yes, I said strawweight, I meant flyweight. Flyweight, 125, right? Yes, okay. But, Luke, he says perhaps Brian was more interested in their other assets, like their coach. Is there any call for this to call out Pavel? Pavel took a bullet for Valentina Quite literally, Luke. Have you ever seen that video? 
I have. Yeah, it's crazy. In Peru, right? Yeah, he took a bullet for her. Dude, he's been coaching those two girls since they were, you know, come on, bro. Come on. He's not, this ain't Larry Nasser, right? I think we should move on. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair, Luke. Okay, that is fair. Hey, Luke, we always close the show with an HR call. No, just kidding. We, we close the show, Luke, with a, a tip to tip where we give a high five, a suggestion, whatever. Run the graphic. All right. By the way, you do, we didn't put on here very quickly. Someone tweeted me and I sent it to you guys. I guess in a previous iteration of the show, and I, I remember saying it, but I don't remember which episode it was, where I was like, wait, and, wait until you see the World MMA Awards. Ultimate Fighter is going to get nominated and Morning Combat won't. Not only did Ultimate Fighter not get nominated, MK did. So I'm going to dead wrong myself with that one. I was being uh, a little too gloomy, BC. Oh, didn't I we have a dead this, wrong BC. to read for that, Luke? Didn't we have uh, something? I have the tweet somewhere. All right. Let me see. Let me see. Um, I sent okay, it to you guys from, last night. It's from Charlie Monado, at Charlie Monado. He says, at Luke Thomas News, the entire Dead Wrong segment needs to be about how the Ultimate Fighter would win the World MMA Awards and Morning Combat wouldn't get nominated. Just five minutes of that. <laughs> All right, Charlie, you're right. You're right. Luke's wrong. Um, Luke, you're dead wrong. Okay. All I'm right. dead wrong. I, uh, you know what, BC? I, I told you this. I'm so used to shit going wrong in my life. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know who I am when it's working. I'm like, how does this make sense? I don't. I'm, I'm disoriented. So, I'm wrong. Uh, Luke, show me your tip, please. Uh, okay. So my tip is just because I think it's kind of cool and kind of fun, and also, you know, I don't know what the fuck and cool and fun is anymore, but I, I try. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, my personal hero, has been my hero since I was a little kid. Um, he is selling merch. You can get it on represent.com. Uh, he has his own section. He's got tons of stuff in there. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's got tons of stuff in there. And uh, this latest one is a shirt he's selling. I don't know if you can see it or not. I'm going to try and hold it up here. Yes. Oh, Barbarian. Wow. I mean, that is just a fucking cool ass shirt. He's got a cambered bar there with skulls going through the nose and eyes. And you can get it, and uh, he's got it. You can get hoodies, you can get blah, blah, blah. Schwarzenegger's the man. He's always been the man in my house. I've got a... Look at this. I've got a Dutch uh, action figure from Predator right here. Never been opened. Look at that. I've got a whole giant uh, poster of him that I turned into artwork here on the other side of my wall. Him, one of his poses from the Olympia. I'm a Schwarzenegger mark. So if you're a Schwarzenegger mark too, go get it. True or false, and I know this is uncomfortable, you once told me if I had to give Felicio to one man, it would be Schwarzenegger. You did, to true or false, you said that over text one time. Well, I would certainly never volunteer to do something like that, but I guess, you know, forced <laughs> into some kind of hypothetical scenario where it was required, he'd be my number one go-to, yes. Uh, the, way, the true way to honor him would be to probably have an affair with your housekeeper, Luke, but I know you won't do that. Uh, Luke, um, <laughs> that, he looks like He-Man in that t-shirt. So what, what came first, chicken or egg, He-Man or Conan? In my like in my world, no. Who came probably first? Probably He Man by virtue of who, who it appealed to. But but like the first time I ever idealized idolized someone was uh, was was Schwarzenegger. Okay, he looks a little He Manish in that drawing, but it was a very good T shirt. Luke, my tip this week is a is a farewell to a boxer I enjoyed a lot. Do you remember the the the, the top bloke, the thirty three year old from England, the twenty twelve Olympic gold medalist Luke Campbell? 
not only does Cousin Luke have a very Morning Combat-esque name combining LT and BCs together, but Luke, I've always been a big fan of this Southpaw bloke, Luke Campbell, who fought in and around the lightweight division throughout his pro career. Uh, turned pro in 2013, and you may remember his last fight, Luke. It was January of this year when he knocked down unbeaten Ryan Garcia, and Garcia, of course, courageously got up, fought back, and stopped uh, good old cousin Luke to the body. Um, Luke, I I tend to stop and applaud people who get out of the, the combat game on their own terms when they feel they've, they've had enough and when they feel, you know, they've gone as, about as far as they can. And at age 33, this is a guy who's gone so close getting to the title level. Luke, I don't know if you remember his 2017 lightweight title fight with Jorge Linares. It was a week after his father died. He kept that fact uh, close to his chest and didn't let anybody know. And he fought a hell of a fight, losing a 12-round split decision to Linares. Um, he came back against Lomachenko in 2019 and put on a very good showing, losing a decision there. And, of course, we just saw him lose to Ryan Garcia in that non-title bout. Uh, Luke was ever able to equal his amateur success on the pro level, but he came pretty darn close. He wore a lunch pail in the ring. He was a very good boxer, tough as nails. And, Luke, when someone at 33 says, I've had enough, I'm going to pack it up now, I'm going to applaud them on the way out. Uh, big fan of this kid. Uh, been, been, you know, DMing him through the years and, and give him a shout out here and there. Um, goodbye after a very fun career, Luke Campbell. Luke, I don't know what it is about the guys from the UK, but it seems more often than not, it is the, the English blokes that know when they've had enough. We saw Ricky Hatton retire really early after the knockout loss to Pacquiao. We've seen this before, but, uh, I always respect this a lot more than hanging on too long and needing to be removed from the game. Yeah, 33. If it feels early, then it's right on time. Good for him. Good career. Had some big wins, had some big fights. Some he lost, some he won, but uh, put it on the line. 33 is still a good time to preserve your health and transition to something else. I wish him nothing but the best. Had wins over uh, Arjenis Mendez, who was a world champion, Darlis Perez. He avenged his uh, pro loss to amateur rival Yvonne Mendy, which was a disputed split decision. So never got over that final hurdle, but uh, was always a big fan. So shout out to you, Luke. Uh, Luke Thomas, you have anything else to uh, clear up on the way out here? No, I'm being told that um, the fight between the guy I used to train with and uh, who's making his Bellator debut is off. Um, I guess he did not, for whatever reason, pass pre-fight medicals. So the fight between Compton and Barry is off. All right. That is, um, uh, that sucks. I'm also told by many of our fans, speaking of dead wrong, Luke, that when you said on Wednesday, Pat Barry was not black, meaning he couldn't be yes. brothers with this guy. People are saying that Pat Barry, uh, is in fact, so you can. Yes. Uh, Pat Barry even messaged me. He, whoa, um, what, dude, how did this get to Pat Barry? Whoa. Someone someone told him, and I, here's the thing, I'm dead wrong for it. I legitimately just did not know. I, 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 I could have sworn he just wasn't. I just didn't know. And uh, that's on me, obviously my fault. And someone told him, and so we were on Instagram. We talked very briefly about it, and uh, he was cool. He was totally cool about it. He was like, if I grew my hair out, I'd throw it out for you. It would be a lot uh, clearer, but because he has the shaved head and obviously he doesn't have the, the, the darkest complexion you've ever seen, it was a little bit. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. But wrong. Totally wrong. He is uh, a, a full fledged member. So there respect. you go. Respect. Respect to Pat Barry. Respect. I mean, the fight with Czech Congo, Luke, is insane in the membrane, right? It's one of the most insane fights I've ever seen. 
All right. And, uh, you know, his wife's the baddest motherfucker in the world, Luke. Yes. She's one of them. All right. Hey, I guess we're just lingering here for no reason, Luke. Uh, check out, of course, Bellator 263, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Pitbull McKee, get your 30 days free right now. Showtime.com slash uh, what, Luke, something? Uh, it's You can go to Showtime.com or you can go to Show.com slash Bellator MMA, either way. Okay, get your 30-day free trial. This is the one that it's, it's really worth it, guys. Okay, so get on board with that. Uh Check us out today, three, you know, 4 p.m. Eastern time on the Showtime Sports and Bellator uh, social channels. Luke, myself, Rashad Evans, we will be uh, hosting the ceremonial weigh-in coverage. Luke, are they going to put hands on each other? Is Uncle Scott going to get Coker told uh, Nolan King of MMA Junkie that they're going to hire extra security, so I doubt it. Okay, okay. We will see what happens. Should be high theater right there. Special thanks to our great crew, Mikey Morms, Manich. Sally, Al Wendling, right? Pierre, Gaffney, Pierre, all our good folks right there. The ghost of Jay Aaron. Love our team right there. Uh, follow us, like us, all that shit. I'm done. I'm done. Luke, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. For Showtime, for CBS Sports, for Malka, for Brian Campbell, the King of Connecticut, I'm Luke Thomas. Join us at 4 p.m. for the weigh-ins, East Coast time. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.